Hey there, I'm kind of breaking format on this week's episode of Going Ringside because something has happened. So I'm out here on my other job reporting on the news, but since I recorded this episode about the current business status of WWE, AEW, and UFC, something happened and I wanted to get that in this episode. CNBC is reporting that WWE and UFC, their merged entity, will now be called the TKO Group Holdings, worth an estimated $20 billion. They will have a ticker on the New York Stock Exchange called TKO. That's a new uh, thing to come out since I recorded this episode you're about to watch. Just wanted to get that on the record. It's kind of important. Now enjoy this latest episode of Going Ringside. Influencing popular culture, politics, and everything in between. The local station takes you ringside as we discuss the crazy world that is professional wrestling. This is Going Ringside with The Local Station. Good day and thank you for joining us today on another episode of Going Ringside. So glad you could be here. I'm your host, Scott Johnson, and uh, really had a good response last week um, on our episode about the murder-suicide involving Chris Benoit and his family. Certainly the most uh, tragic uh, case in the history of wrestling and something that... Um, you know, we really wanted to unpack and look into and the effects it's had on the industry. You can go listen to it right now wherever you get your podcasts or on the News for Jack's YouTube channel. Just search Going Ringside, you'll uh, get all the details. Um, so today I wanted to move, kind of stop what we're doing, subject after subject after subject. There's just been a lot going on in the wrestling world in the last number of um, months since we started this podcast structurally with respect to their business that I think we needed to stop and we needed to analyze. So when we started going ringside here, we did a few episodes on the status of AEW as well as the potential sale of WWE. Who would it be sold to? Well, since that happened, we've been doing a lot of other podcasts on things like episode four, The Rise of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Could The Rock be president on episode seven? You can get him wherever you get your podcast right now. But we never really took the time to explore what's happened in the wrestling world like the major news with WWE merging with UFC and Endeavor. And that announced in early April, or some things going on with AEW, selling out Wembley Stadium for their show in August. So I wanted to kind of stop and analyze the industry on both um, AEW side and what's going on with WWE and the Endeavor merger, because it just is a lot going on, and we really needed to explore it and what it means going forward. So I want to talk about two things in this podcast. I want to talk about where WWE's at, and I want to talk where AEW is at. The AEW thing is kind of in flux, so I am recording this. I'm sitting here today on May 14th. This show will be released to you. You'll be listening to it by May 17th or thereafter. There may be, between the 14th and 17th, some news about AEW coming out. Um, I'll talk about a little here. If I get more details before we release this on the 17th, I'll, I'll add a little addendum to this video to analyze what's going on with AEW with respect to their uh, media deals. Um, but I want to start the podcast talking about the WWE-AEW merger and also some stuff about Saudi Arabia um, because that was interesting too. Um, so it was early April 
when we learned that WWE was in fact going into a merger deal with Endeavor, um, who owns the parent company that owns uh, Ultimate Fighting Championship. So this really was monumental. You've probably heard the news. It's almost 50-50, but not exactly 50-50. And Endeavor and Ari Emanuel, their CEO, um, and uh, UFC will hold 51% of the controlling stock in the company. Vince McMahon and WWE will be minority shareholders. They will uh, get 49% of the company as far as the shares are concerned. So that's just kind of where things are at. It means that Vince no longer has controlling interest in his company. Now, the way that Ari Emanuel and Vince McMahon have been out there discussing this is that things will remain in a lot of respects the same for WWE and AEW, or not AEW, excuse me, UFC, as the merger unfolds. But the merger hasn't been completed yet. It's not like they just announced this in early April and all of a sudden they're one company. They're not. Um, there were some lawsuits filed. We don't know how, what's the status of those some, uh, because it is a major merger and it's going to undergo a lot of scrutiny. But all reports are that the merger will come to completion in coming months and there shouldn't be any problems. So what's the new company called? So in the last few days, Daily Mail um, has cited some other sources, and I'm reading from them, um, that there is a new company name they will use called New Whale Inc. This is after they um, sign a deal with WWE for the $21 billion in total takeover. That's the, the money, that the monetary value of UFC and the monetary value of WWE. UFC is worth a little bit more. Um, and it'll be about a $21 billion company in this merger called New Whale Inc. I don't totally know why it's going to be called New Whale Inc. I mean, maybe because it's a new company and it's a whale of a company. Just... Just a thought. I don't know. I haven't been given the description. And Daily Mail in this article, which we'll put at newsforjacks.com, the new board will include 11 members. Five will be WWE's team. Six will be from Ari Emanuel and uh, UFC's side of things. Both Vince McMahon and Ari Emanuel will be included on the board. Um, So it looks like, you know, It will still be close to 50-50, but the Endeavor UFC side will still have dominant control of the company. A little later on in the show, I'm going to talk to a capital management expert based here in Jacksonville, a little about what this means going forward and um, some other things. One thing I wanted to talk about that's really important that I think a lot of people ignore in this because there's been a lot of debate in the wrestling community about this merger and Vince McMahon being back and a lot of fans think that's good. Other fans aren't, don't like Vince as the kind of the lead of creative for WWE. Well, Vince McMahon's age is something that we can't ignore. I put a, a video about this issue right now on TikTok and Instagram. Just search going ringside at TikTok and Instagram. Um, about Vince McMahon's age, we need to have that discussion. So Vince McMahon is 77 years old. By SummerSlam this year, Vince will be 78. Obviously, he could keep going as long as he wants or is able, but eventually age may set in. So Vince has good genetics. His father, Vince Sr., um, who sold him the company in the late 1970s, early 1980s, passed away at the age of 69. But Vince's mom lived to be 101 years old. 
So Mintz has some genetics that could keep him around several more years, but you have to wonder if he keeps wanting to do this into his 80s, or if is he just back temporarily to help execute this sale and then move on. And who takes over if Vince leaves or Vince steps back? Well, it's not necessarily Vince's decision. Now, we'll go into that with um, the financial expert a little later on in the uh, podcast, but it's essentially Ari Emanuel and the UFC side of thing who has dominant control of this new company who decides who runs WWE. Now, tr uh, Stephanie McMahon, Triple H, maybe Shane, they could have a role, obviously, but they're only guaranteed to the financial benefit of Vince's holdings. They are not necessarily guaranteed that they can come in and control the company when Vince steps back. UFC and Ari Emanuel and their side of the board, they have the controlling power there. So that's something we need to watch. So if Vince steps away in six months by next WrestleMania or a couple WrestleManias, we may be in new territory with respect to WWE as far as, you know, who's running the show here. And by show, I mean literal show. I mean, you're SmackDown, you're Raw. Who's making the decisions of who's going over, of who's your champion? And there's also the question of, does UFC and WWE, do they remain separate entities like Vince and Ari Emanuel kind of said, or do you see crossover? You've got to wonder if there's crossover. How could there not be? So on episode eight of our podcast here at Going Ringside, we had former UFC champion and WWE star Ken Shamrock join us. And I asked him his thoughts, because he's been in both worlds and he doesn't suspect they'll keep these things separate. I mean, why would you? When you have two essentially fighting companies, you know there's got to be some bleed over at some point. So here's what Ken Shamrock said on episode eight of Going Ringside. Endeavor and WWE, unprecedented, they announced this merger a few weeks ago. You know both worlds better than anyone maybe ever. What, is, what do you take away from that? Yeah, I just think that, you know, especially from what I was able to do throughout that time, being in the UFC, being in the WWF, and having success at both, to me, it's always been a natural. And it, to see it actually unfold right in front of you years later, where they're actually merging together, it's just crazy it didn't happen even sooner. So they're going to have, they're kind of saying it'll be separate brands, separate companies. I'm guessing at some point there's going to be some overlap. Would you suspect there will be some overlap? Once the merger happens, yeah. there's no such thing as one company. They may brand them that way, yeah. but when you've got two, two organizations that are owned by the same company, you know what's going to happen. So, like, if you're, a, if you're an active wrestler, it would be obvious for you. Yeah, I'll go interact with the <laughs> fighting guys. Do you think a lot of wrestlers would want to do this? Because a lot of them are not natural fighters. I think Many the, are, but not all. I think the real question is, is, is when the wrestlers are wrestling, do they realize they're wrestling or are they doing MMA? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Vince McMahon is about 76. I don't know when retirement comes for him. Do you see him in this forever? I mean, what do you think would happen? You know the McMahons, and you know how passionate they are. Do you think it, it's handed down, or what do you think happens with that? I think Vince has a kind of a same mentality as any other successful man. They, they, they have the ability to just keep winning, and as long as they're able to do that, there's no reason for them to quit. Until he has a big loss or something like that, or where he's forced to have to step down, this man's going to keep rolling forward. 
And so that's what Ken had to say. Episode 8 right now of Going Ringside, wherever you get your podcast, so you can listen to the full interview with Ken. Um, but that's what he believed, that he believed there will definitely be a merger, and I mistakenly said 76 in that clip. Vince is 77 right now. He will be 78 in August. So does Vince stick with this a long time? Like, look at a guy who you might consider as one of Vince's best personal friends, Donald Trump. Well, Trump's 78, and he's running for president. So Vince may be emboldened by the, by the past president and the current president, Biden, and saying, maybe I do want to do this job into my 80s. I, I don't know. Only Vince McMahon knows what he wants to do. But when Vince does leave, and we'll talk a little more to the financial expert about this later on, there's no guarantee that a name you know will be the one to continue running operationally. And by operationally, I mean... Um, structuring the SmackDown and structuring Raw and their pay-per-views. It may be a name you don't know yet. Um, so keep in mind that as the years go by, because everyone's caught in the present in the, the present in the wrestling world right now and saying, I, and having debates on whether or not Vince is the, the, the best booker right now. Well, eventually Vince isn't going to be there, and we don't really know who will be running things in coming years. Um, only Ari Emanuel might know that. Um, so one other thing that's big with respect to WWE that's also an issue is their contracts on, with Fox and USA on SmackDown and Raw. Those media deals are up in 2024, not far from now. I mean, we're almost halfway through 23. So next year... You know, does SmackDown remain on Fox? Does Raw remain on uh, USA? Does an entity maybe like ESPN want to get in now that UFC is involved? I mean, the structure really for WWE for decades has been Raw is on USA and always has been with the, the short time they were on TN. I think it was TNN for a while, but they've, for the most part, been a USA product for decades. And then SmackDown's kind of gone around um, where, you know, it's, SmackDown's been all over the place. Um, it started um, on, I think it was the CW or whatever it was, and then they were on Sci-Fi, maybe My Network TV. They, their biggest deal by far was now being on Fox. Um, so it's hard to say what will happen with the deals, but... Next year, their contracts for Raw and SmackDown are up. It looks like the Peacock deal with NBC, where all the uh, streaming platform is for WWE, lasts until 2026. So that'll you'll probably still be able to watch WWE programming on Peacock at least for a few more years. But Raw and SmackDown, I don't know. We're going to have to watch and see what that ha what happens. And you know the media entities like your, your, your network television, your ESPNs, Fox, stuff like that, you know, WWE's may now, now be more appealing with that UFC overlay because it's a huge new fan base that could be added there. So I don't know. One other thing on the WWE end, before we bring this financial analyst in, is what's going on with Saudi Arabia. So I was at the Raw taping here in Jacksonville a few weeks back, and I didn't know this because I'd been not keeping up on the day-to-day, -day, they were announcing an upcoming pay-per-view, was going to be in Saudi Arabia. I thought that was really interesting. So Saudi Arabia 
was originally before the Endeavor deal happened, there was reports in the news that it was a done deal that Saudi Arabia, that a, uh, that a public investment fund, was purchasing WWE. A few days later, they pulled back and said that that news was not accurate and WWE had not, in fact, been uh, bought by the Saudis, but we looked into that. Their public investment fund is enormous resources, worth, I think, north of $600 billion with a B. If you want to know how big that is, this whole UFC-WWE merger is estimated to be worth around $21 billion. That Saudi investment fund is 30 times as big. They have huge amounts of money, and the reports are the kingdom wants to start weaning itself and diversifying outside of oil. And WWE obviously is keeping that close relationship with Saudi Arabia, which is a big financial market for them. But we don't know that this UFC merger, you know, it's going to be here for a few years, obviously, but we don't know that it lasts forever. I mean, there's no indication that it will last forever. We'll have to watch and see. But watch this Saudi Arabia relationship with WWE because they are sitting on more cash than you can imagine. So just, just something to keep in the background, in the back of your mind when you see them do these pay-per-views in Saudi Arabia. Like, could Saudi Arabia, and we're going to talk about this in a bit with our financial expert, um, about, you know, could they work their way into the company somehow, maybe become minority shareholders, maybe five years down the road, maybe offer to buy the whole thing. I don't know. We'll have to watch. But I sat down to talk about all of this with Ron Heyman. Ron is a financial planner and capital management expert here based in Jacksonville, knows a lot, a lot about this world, both on the financial end and the wrestling end. Um, so I sat down with Ron Heyman to talk to him about all these deals, and here's what he had to say. Here's our interview with Ron. Well, we are joined right now by Ron Heyman uh, with Davis Capital Management based in Jacksonville. Ron, thank you for joining us today. Great to be had back with you, Scott. Had a lot to talk about. Um, first, I want to talk about WWE and Vince McMahon. So Vince came back on board. He's almost 78 years old to really coordinate this merger with Endeavor. You know, he's 78. That doesn't mean he's going to be the one in charge forever. I mean, can we speculate, you know, in two years, five years, whatever the case may be, that there could be a reallocation of who's running things at WWE? Absolutely. Um, from the appearance of things, it looks like Vince came back on board to facilitate the merger and the takeover by Endeavor. I mean, there's nobody who has a greater knowledge of, uh, of the product of the company. Right. So in any kind of merger or takeover situation, you want somebody who has the ins and outs of the business, who understands the value. Um, and he also happens to be the largest shareholder. Right. So it, it makes a lot of sense that he came back around. How long he stays uh, is debatable. Right? It looks like a, a, a deal valued at least nine billion dollars. Um, mm -hmm. Sounds like a good retirement plan to me. So if Vince leaves someday, Two years, five years, ten years, we don't know. Is it automatically he can just say, okay, Stephanie, Triple H, my children, and my son-in-law can take it over? Or if it doesn't work like that with Endeavor essentially having the majority of stake on both the board and the shares? Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. So from the looks of things, the McMahon family, for all intents and purposes, owns 49% of the combined uh, entity. I mean, there's a few shares of WWE voting shares that, that are not controlled by Vince or Stephanie. Um, 
you know, he, he can't necessarily hand over those shares to the next generation down very easily. There's tax implications involved. Um, not totally out of the question, uh, but it could have some implications from, from a gift tax standpoint. Uh, I suspect he'll probably hold on to those shares or create some sort of holding entity like a trust um, to, to just conserve. But when he steps away, who who decides who runs WWE? I mean, is that more an Ari demand Ari Emanuel um, and Endeavor decision? It, it is. I mean, they do have fifty one percent of the combined organization, so they have the majority. Um, you know, it does have some interesting implications if if they ever decide to sell some of those voting shares. Right? There's there's some swing shares in play where if any other investors wanted to come on board, then they could upset the the equilibrium of ownership and, and who controls but majority wins right 51 percent to 49 percent Ari is going to have the, the controlling say and really ultimately what happens they also have the control of the board six to five on the 11 person board yeah could vince have made some sort of deal in this merger that maybe is not public about what happens when he's not the ceo on the wwe end or it would pretty much the structure of it just be 5149 and whatever happens in the future is Endeavor and Ari Emanuel's decision. Well, it sounds like a WWE storyline with Vince having <laughs> a deal behind closed doors. I mean, yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. I, I think, um, you know, one, the valuation in itself is, is really high. Um, two, having a 49% ownership in the entity uh, does have some other advantages uh, from the state planning standpoint. I mean, he's a, he's a minority shareholder. He gets to discount the value of the, of the business if he does pass away for some tax purposes. Kind of, kind of some legacy planning wrinkles in there. Um, but I, I suspect, you know, he's probably in it for what's good for the McMahon family, which has always been promote the business, grow the business. And I, I think the partnership with Endeavor um, just magnifies the brand. It makes that 49% ownership worth that much more. Um, you know, and he might not be able to control the whole show, but you still have a good chunk of control over that organization. But when he's gone, that's that's kind of no man's land right now for us, isn't it? We don't know what will happen. We, we don't know. Um, you know, presumably there's got to be a succession plan. I suspect it would stay in the family. Um, or they're going to collaborate. Vince and Ari collaborate. I want to ask you real quickly. You said a succession plan. So if there was a succession plan, would that be something where Vince maybe made that deal with Ari or, or Endeavor and said, you know, this is what I want to happen when I can't do this anymore? Uh, it, it could be with Ari. It could be with other parties, right? I mean, the beauty of ownership in any property, whether it's a business or, or, or just your own personal effects, you kind of determine what you want to do with them at the next stage of the game. Um, there may be a repurchase agreement with Ari, or if something happens, the, the McMahon family gets bought out uh, so that he has 100% control of the business. That wouldn't surprise me, right? Because it, it, there are billions of dollars at stake. It does make a lot of sense for the corporation to buy back the shares from the McMahon family. Um, if Stephanie or, or, or Triple H or anybody else doesn't want to remain on board, um, yeah, they may they may do something like that. Um, those, one other, one other thing I want to talk about. So we were you and I were both at the Raw recently. That was in Jacksonville, and one of the things that struck me was they're still they they have more pay per views upcoming in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is interesting because 
they, there was talk originally before the whole deal that Saudi Arabia, the investment fund might buy them. Um, that didn't happen. They, it, it worked out with Endeavor. But I was intrigued that they still are keeping this very close relationship with Saudi Arabia. Could there be potential financial interest from the kingdom down the road? I, I don't think you can rule it out, Scott. I mean, it, with, with any, you know, purchase of an entity, you're already looking at the exit strategy down the road. And with the combined UFC WWE brand, you, know, you can hype that up. You can have a lot of cross marketing. You can make the business even more profitable, cut some expenses on the back end and sell it to, to somebody with even deeper pockets than you have. So it does kind of make sense. Uh, I want to ask about that deeper pocket. So the WWE sale was estimated nine billion or so. That's nothing compared to the Saudi investment fund, isn't that a lot larger? Yeah, I mean you're you're talking in the hundreds of, of billions of dollars of of just cash flow, right? And who knows what other resources that they can leverage? They're diversifying into the entertainment industry. If you start to look at some of the the uh, infrastructure development that's going on in places like Dubai, wherever they're, they're really trying to attract a lot of global attention, um, you know, and, and differentiate their, their, their business model off of petroleum, right? Um, and do you think that, um, so one other thing I want to ask about, I talked to some WWE people who are on the lower level and they say, and I asked them, Hey, what about this Endeavor deal? And they say, we, we really don't know. We know the same as you. We read it in the news. Uh, at the top level of acquisition plans like this is kind of a tight lipped on what's, what's going on at the top. Not everyone knows the de details. Yeah, quite often they, they know very little. Uh, and, and for that reason, right? Loose lips sink ships. So the more people know about the details of the deal, the more things can go wrong. Right. And when you have Vince, really controlling all of the destiny of WWE with very few stakeholders other than him having a vote. I would be surprised if anybody really knew the terms of the deal very far outside the boardroom, right? I'm, I'm sure that the legal teams and everything else had, had non-disclosure orders and everything else. And the rank and file employees, even the entertainers probably had very little knowledge of what was really going on. And sometimes there's a sense of, of change in the organization, but uh, the nitty gritty, not not going to make it down the line. Well, it's fascinating for us to watch as wrestling fans. Ron Heyman, thank you so much for joining us with David Davis Capital Management based in Jacksonville. We'll see you later, Ron. Yeah, absolutely, Scott. Thank you so much. So a lot of this is just unfolding, and we kind of monitor it as it goes. First off, the merger between the two companies, the Saudi Arabia, Vince's age, and also we're still waiting for the deal to fully execute because it's not there yet. And one other thing I mentioned a little earlier in the show, there is um, a lawsuit that's out there. I mean, I don't know how much is to it. It came out right after the, the deal was announced. A law firm called Adami LLP, they had um, said they were initiating um, uh, an investigation into the deal for possibly breaching fiduciary duty and other violations of law. So that probably has a lot to do with the, the money changing hands. And, you know, um, we're going to monitor that. I don't know um, how much is there. That's probably on behalf of shareholders who are being impacted by this. 
Um, so it's kind of hard to see what will happen with that. But I haven't really seen any indications that even though there are lawsuits that this deal would ever be off. So it looks like this deal is moving forward for the final merger into this new whale, Inc. Um, but, you know, watch Vince's age. Watch Vince to see if he continues to do this. And if not, who's the head guy at WWE? I mean, it's possible. There was something signed or an agreement between Ari and Vince made that, you know, when Vince steps away, Triple H and Steph can take over or someone that they trust. I don't know. Maybe Ari, maybe, uh, Ari Emanuel likes Eric Bischoff. We'll have to see um, what happens. The other part of this episode I want to talk about, which is just making his interesting headlines, is AEW, All Elite Wrestling, based here in Jacksonville. So AEW, first and foremost has made major headlines because of its all-in pay-per-view at Wembley Stadium. So they, the rumors are they've sold 60 to 70,000 tickets for this major historic uh, stadium in London um, that where, I want to say, Davy Boy Smith beat Bret Hitman Hart uh, for a title at an early 90s SummerSlam. Um, but it's been a big deal in the wrestling world because I think I'm reading the New York Post here says if them pulling this like 70,000 or so tickets is the biggest non-WWE event of all time. That says something. So a lot of people talk about AEW and they look at Dynamite and they look at the ratings and say, well, their ratings aren't great. They're, they're losing to WWE. There's a lot going on with this company, and we don't know everything about how much money they're making. But if you can send, uh, sell 70,000 tickets anywhere for a wrestling event, that is incredible. And it shows interest in the United Kingdom. But I do want to point out something because I've covered Tony Khan and his family, namely his dad, Shad, for the last dozen years or so. And I got some pushback on uh, different social media about this, but um, AEW is, I mean, Wembley Stadium is kind of home base. So um, Jacksonville is headquarters for AEW. Um, they have Daly's Place, their facility, which is about five to 10,000 people in there. It's right next to the Jaguars football stadium. And, and the Khan family also owns the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, for the last several years, the Khans have uh, worked out a deal with the NFL and London to play many of their games. They play at least one, sometimes two games a year there. Many times those games are in Wembley Stadium. So the cons are very familiar with London. They've got a lot of contacts there. They're very familiar with Wembley Stadium. It got so much that Shad Khan, Tony's dad, Shad is the true money man behind AEW. He's the one who really writes the checks, even though Tony runs it and is the owner. He's getting the money from dad. Uh, Shad Khan is worth north of $12 billion. So they know um, AEW uh, knows London very well, specifically because Shad Khan tried to buy Wembley Stadium about five years ago. It didn't work out, but he did that not on a whim. I mean, there were serious discussions for him to try and buy Wembley. It was, so while he didn't buy it and that deal didn't work out, they are very intertwined with Wembley, kind of like here in Jacksonville, they're entwined with Daily Place and their adjacent football stadium, TIA Bank Field. 
They're very close to it. They know the people there. They know the people involved. So it would make sense for them to go to Wembley. That is um, their family business is very close ties to Wembley. So that would be a stadium where they would do very well, maybe overperform. But that doesn't mean that you can discount selling 70,000 tickets to wrestling fans who have probably never been to an AEW show before, who are going to a show that's not um, WWE when it's possible. We don't know who's going to be on the all-in card. And this is in August, by the way, when this show is going on. There's talk of a CM Punk return. I've heard rumors of Goldberg. Who knows if that would happen? But you have to imagine the summer for AEW fans is going to be very exciting because Tony Khan doesn't want to have his biggest event of all time be for just an average show. He wants to bring in the biggest names possible to get that packed stadium cheering and to really get a buzz going on about their show. And this fact that it's on another continent is important. So AEW doing a show on another continent with 70,000 shows that they are making waves in the international world. They have signed in the last year or so a bunch of contracts for Africa, uh, Australia, parts of Asia, Europe. They're getting their programming there because when AEW started, it seemed like a very domestic product. It was a U.S.-based product. They had their TNT and their TBS deals. And um, getting these cable deals in these other continents is money. It is money, and that's what it's about to run, a profitable company. And frankly, the wrestling world's about to change on the top end with WWE Endeavor merger. You have to understand, you have to believe that so much chaos in the wrestling world can only help AEW continue to get their news out there too and to get eyeballs on their product because there's going to be shifting viewing patterns. I mean, we don't know that Raw and SmackDown will remain on the networks or at in a year. I mean, where does AEW go? Which brings me up. So a lot of, um, I want to say Pro Wrestling Illustrated and some others on Twitter, on Wrestling Twitter, have been talking a lot about early this week. So as I said at the top of the podcast, I'm recording this May 14th. Our show will be distributed. You'll be watching this by May 17th. I've seen a lot of rumblings that there's about to be a major AEW um, business announcement early this week before I release this on August, um, May 17th. That could be about their, their current uh, broadcast deals or streaming deals. If there's details to come out before this, before this episode is released, I'm going to add a little addendum at the top of the show so you're aware, because I want to explore that. I just don't know, what, I don't know what the details are. I've heard some dollar amounts speculated out there and some, some speculation on what the deal is, but I, I, I just don't want to report it because I don't know. But there, there is talk that there may be major news coming out early this week that um, I'll, I'll get to you as soon as we have it. Um, but there's a lot going on with AEW right now um, with respect to, I mean, you could almost say that this Wembley deal is a watershed moment for the company. Um, CM Punk may be back, which is kind of surprising to a lot because there was that, that 
it was almost rumor and news in one about a year or so ago when CM Punk left and there was a talk that there was a altercation involving uh, maybe the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega backstage and then CM Punk was gone. Well, now he may be coming back um, and if, if they could get someone like a Goldberg or some other very high profile names that we're not even aware of yet, watch that. Because you have to understand a wrestler is not opposed to a big money payday in front of 70,000 people at Wembley Stadium, no matter what wrestler. That's, that is an enticing deal, an enticing show to be a part of. It's going to be what AEW is talking about all summer. So we're going to be monitoring that. We're going to be monitoring if there is a restructuring of their media rights deals or whatever we learn maybe early this week. Uh, I'll update the show if we get it. Um, but there's just a lot going on right now in the world of wrestling. So I wanted us to take a step back and analyze it. Um, we're going to be monitoring the, the, how this goes forward as far as the merger with WWE and UFC and how these AEW developments go too because we have to wonder, if they can sell 70000 in Wembley, can they start getting these huge, huge shows again? I want to see what New York Post said. I think they said, so like WCW, I want to say, this according to New York Post, did 41400 with around 35000 paid at Georgia Dome in 1998. So I think that would have been the 98 Nitro where Goldberg beat Hulk Hogan on a Monday Nitro. And WWE SummerSlam, uh, they've, uh, they did, this would be the one where... Um, where Bret Hart lost to Davey Boy Smith. They had 78,000. Um, there's been some, uh, a recent one with 68,000. Obviously, the WrestleManias have had numbers like that. But that's a big deal if AEW can uh, sell that many tickets for a wrestling event in the UK. So watch to see if they start doing other large events. And right now it's at 70,000. I think Wembley can hold more than 90,000, so we don't know that that number won't tick up as the summer goes on. I'm sure Tony wants to say the maximum number possible. Frankly, if he could beat that 93,000 mark that was at WrestleMania three when Andre and Hogan fought, you know, that, that's impressive for his company. That's a feather in his cap. So something to monitor, but that's kind of where we're at as far as the status of the industry. We may come back to this down the road if there are more developments, but I wanted us to pause the podcast on these individual wrestling subjects and analyze the, the status of the industry. So that's where we're at right now. We'll continue to uh, talk. By the way, I've got my new going ringside shirt. I got the new swag in. I've had a lot of people ask me, you know, where can I get a going ringside shirt? I'll talk to the powers that be. If we're able to sell some, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. Uh, but that's where things are at right now in the world of wrestling. So thanks for joining us once again on another episode of Going Ringside. This has been Going Ringside with The Local Station, brought to you every Wednesday on your favorite podcast player, on News 4 Jax Plus, as well as the News 4 Jax YouTube channel.